Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find His mercy. As always, it's great to be with you this morning. I'm excited about uh, getting into God's Word today. Thank you all for the worship. We have uh, <clears throat> had an interesting week this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is the first time uh, in my, um, really the first time in my pastoral tenure that uh, we went to a leadership retreat that we didn't put on ourselves uh, and have somebody just come in. Uh, we've been doing leadership retreats for several years now, <clears throat> but uh, with everything that was going on this this the past twelve months, it just uh, it felt like the thing to do to not overload us with things. And so there is a retreat that Christian and I had been to a couple of times, primarily for pastors and their wives, but they opened it up for. Uh, for any staff and uh, lay leaders. And, and so we invited some folks in leadership from the church and had a good many that, that went. And so last Wednesday, that's why uh, it was a little thin around here on leadership. And I, my prayer is that they uh, received a blessing and that they are full. For me as a, a pastor, uh, I've gotten to the point to where sometimes when I go to things like that, I come away a little more, I don't know what the right word is. When I, at one point in my Christian walk as a leader, I would come away so jacked up you wouldn't be able to handle me today. Not that I would have something great to share with you, I'd just be so on fire, so jacked up. It's contemplative, uh, uh, or I, I, I go away contemplating a lot of things. So my mind is just, soaking on everything that I have written down in a notebook, gleaning off of it. And so I'm excited, but I'm excited in a different way. I'm excited for what God will do ahead of us. And I know that God is up to something. I've had enough, uh, not, not that I've got a lot of experience, but I've got enough experience now that I've begun to pattern some of God's movements and it's always when I think that things are fixing to fall on their face when God is fixing to do something amazing. And in my heart I go, wow, it just doesn't seem like that there's, there's this massive spiritual thing going on. And just this morning I sit there and I thought, as I listened to Tim share his uh, confessions to you this morning, my heart was stirring going, you know what, God, I've... I remember that when things get like this, you're on the move. God, God has to get us to a particular place before He does certain things, and, and God, is, God is moving in a great way. I want to continue to talk to you this morning, a uh, thought that I started last week, and the title is simply this, To the Victors Go the Spoils. So I'm going to get you to find your place in Colossians chapter 1, we'll go there in, in just, just a few moments. We'll, we'll read verses. But while you're finding your way there, isn't it amazing the things that excite you in life, almost like victories? <laughs> Yesterday, Christy and I, I wanted to ride and look at something at a, at a store in Gastonia. So we'd finished a couple of obligations we had uh, in the earlier part of the day, went and rode down. Well, she had uh, need of a couple of things, and 
my, my wife's one that she will put others' needs ahead of hers uh, a lot, lot of times. We have gone into stores so many times that she goes, I like this, I like that. She'll even put it in the shopping cart, buggy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then she'll end up, we go to check out, and I find there's kids' clothes in there, and her clothes are put back. And I know a lot of ladies, a lot of people in here are probably like that. Well, I forced her. I was like, look, we're going to go get your stuff first before we go get mine. And, all, and, so, and all the ladies said, oh, yeah, amen. So anyhow, so we went to a different store because you can't get what she was wanting at the store I was going to. And we went to a different store. And while we were in there, though, I do, I do like clearance shopping on clothes. I, I, for whatever reason, I, I've got three daughters, right? You know, so I mean, I, I, you know, and one of my daughters is just, she's into clothes and things. And as a matter of fact, we'll be uh, dedicating her little girl in the next service. But so I'm going through, she's looking for her stuff and all, and I'm going through the sales racks, you know, and there it is. There is my Easter blazer hanging right there. $14.99, my size. They had a regular and a long. Because I seen the regular, I was like, oh, I got to walk around like this so I don't stretch my arms out. Get up to the register. Y- y'all will love this. I've already got on my phone and got the 20% coupon pulled up for Kohl's. Right? I'm up there, and the lady, she's ringing it up, and she goes, she rings my, my jacket up, and she goes, she starts digging through the tags. I said, I said, don't go digging through them tags. I said, I ain't putting nothing on. I said, that's a barcode you scanned. <laughs> and so she's like, wow. I'm like, yeah, wow. Just ring that thing up and let's get on out. Oh, and I got a 20% off too. <laughs> so so I, I counted that a victory for me yesterday. If I can get out with a jacket for actually for 14 bucks by the time everything was said and done, I counted that a victory. Amazing what we count as victories in our lives. I mean, sometimes it's the simple things. I think a lot of times uh, we go through, through periods where we don't think that victories are possible. And sometimes we'll, we'll be satisfied with a lot of small victories instead of focusing on shooting for the big ones. It seems to me in reading a couple of quotes about victory that one of the greatest victories in our lives, not, not the greatest maybe, but one of the greatest victories in our lives would be to gain victory over us. As a matter of fact, Plato said this, the first and greatest victory is to conquer yourself. To be conquered by yourself, by yourself is of all things most shameful. Harry S. Truman said, in reading the lives of great men, I found that the first victory they won was over themselves. And Aristotle said this, he said, I I count him braver who overcomes his desires than him who conquers his enemies, for the hardest victory is over self. Now, I I put myself in, and and I'm putting us in a great lineup of intelligent people when I read about those Plato, Aristotle, and Harry S. Truman. Those are not your average, everyday, run-of-the-mill folks. These are folks that stand out in history. And they themselves said that it is an amazing thing for somebody to gain victory over themselves. You and I as Christians know that there is no way on this side of heaven that anybody can ever celebrate a victory over yourself except in Jesus Christ. But isn't it cool to know that you're not the only one that struggles with that? that some of the greatest people that have ever thought, thunk a thought, (laughs) there you go, have ever had a thought, they realize that this is one of the greatest battles. I mean, the President of the United States and all the battles that face the U.S., and he says this is the greatest battle right here. Victory is defined as the overcoming of an enemy uh, our achievement or, or of mastery, our success in a struggle against odds or difficulties. So this morning, I want to talk to you one more time about this whole idea that to the victors go the spoils. 
In Colossians chapter 1, I want to read verse 27 through 29. <clears throat> verse 20, uh, 26, I'm sorry, through 29. In verse 26, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages, from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says this, he says, To this end I also labor, striving according to His working, which works in me mightily. Father, this morning, <clears throat> please teach us what it means to be victorious. Please teach us this morning what it means when we talk about the, the spoils of victory or the, the, the achievements that we gain in the Christian walk, what it means to have the prize on the other side. And would you do it for your glory in Christ's name? Amen. There are two things that I want to nail down with you this morning about victory and about the spoils. One thing is simply this, is that there is a victory. Now granted, I want you to understand that there are many victories, I believe, in the Christian life. But there is a victory that is granted to us. There is a victory that you and I did not strive for. You and I did not win that victory. You and I are just recipients of that victory. But, so there is a victory in the Christian life that you and I have been granted. It has been given to us. I want you to go back with me in that text, verse 27 and 28. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And he says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. He's talking about the victory that, is, that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the salvation that's found in Christ alone, that, that the indwelling of the Spirit of God, the guarantee within us, this, this victory that we know about has been granted to us, and it was granted to us by grace. I love how he says in the text there, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the mystery of the glory of this within the saints, the, the Gentiles even, that God willed to make known. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 6 said, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive didn't say that we made ourselves alive. He said He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Did you hear what I said? He says there, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. John 1, 12 says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. To them He gave the right. And we understand this, but I want to drive this point home so that I can get you to a particular place. I'm going to be breezing across this first point to get to my second point so I can land at one place to challenge you, I believe, today and encourage you. He gave us this. So it was granted to us by grace. It's also granted to us through faith. By grace, through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 through 10 uh, continues to say that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works us. Anyone should boast, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, unto good works which God prepared before 
and that we should walk in them. Galatians 2.20 says, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet it's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Don't you listen to that one more time. The life I now live in the flesh. See, I'm not at this particular point talking about the fact, even though we are victorious, and we'll, we'll mention that in, in the next uh, part of this point, but I want you to hear this. The life that you now live in the flesh, yes, I get home one day, and yes, I will rejoice, and you will rejoice, and we will have our home in heaven, and we will be with him, and forever and ever and ever. But don't miss the fact that right now, right now, the life that you live in the flesh we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and died for us, gave himself for us. John 6, 47 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life, which brings me to my next thought, is that there's a victory that's granted to us and it's granted by grace through faith for eternity, for all of eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of looking forward to that. This life seems to be getting shorter and shorter every day that I live. It seems that time is speeding up. I see, I, I see the end closer than the beginning of my life. And, and I'm sure everybody in the room sees this happening every single day of your life. Life is changing. We see people growing up around us. We see the world changing. We wonder. But I want to encourage you this morning in something. That the victory that was granted to us gives us a victory for all of eternity. That, that ought to, we ought to live our lives in the light of that eternity. In other words, we know that we are now, and I, I hope you do, if you claim to be saved today, I really hope that you are excited about the fact that this is not it. That because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And I know that he holds the future. And my life is worth the living just simply because he lives. Just a couple weeks, we will celebrate the resurrection of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll stand out there at daybreak, just barely after. And we will celebrate the fact that when they thought all hope was gone, that they come to find out that he's alive. And because he lives, I live. And you live. But we don't live just for a little while. We live for all of eternity. For what did Jesus say to Mary and Martha? <laughs> don't you worry about your brother. The old man dies if he is in me, he shall also live again forever and ever and ever. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. I love how he says this. He says, If it was not so, I would have told you. And I trust him. I don't know about you. He's been the only steady in my life that goes beyond any human being any mortal man and I'm not trying to down I have great people in my life and they want to be some they want to be a, a steady in my life and I want to be a steady in somebody else's life too a constant but we are human beings we will fail we have limitations we can't be 10 places at one time and and, and the the limitations are, are very evident but then Christ is all in all and I don't know about you but I have never gotten over the day that he changed me. I've never gotten over that day. Everybody wants to get so deep into theology, and I'm, I love studying this book, but I just want you to know what takes great comfort to, what brings great comfort to my heart is going back to the cross. To know that God would love somebody so much 
that had rejected him and pushed away from him turned his face against God that God would love him and by his grace would save him and not just save you for a moment but save you for all eternity he says let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me for my father's house or many mansions if it were not so I would have told you and he says I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also all of eternity do you know that nobody else gets the spoils of eternity except the children of God and that's a victory that you and I did not win on our own he won it for us 2 Timothy 2.5 says, And also if anyone competes in, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> John 6.37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. And then this is a scripture that for whatever reason, I read it funerals a lot of times, especially around the graveside. Jude 24 and 25, it simply says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy to God our Father who alone is wise be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forevermore to him who is able to present you faultless before the throne that's him that's a victory in my my mind do you know that that victory <clears throat> that we received that's been granted to us is found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. You may say that's very evident, but I want you to listen to a few verses of Scripture in transition to our final thought. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 15, man, I about had me a shouting fit last night when I was reading over these verses. I was just reading through, through my message and contemplating a few things, and I, and I, I was reading over this text, and I, I just about come unglued. Uh, the dog even got up off my off the foot piece on the chair, the recliner. He was thought I was fixing to go running somewhere or something. He got up and jumped down. I was, I was getting hot. I'm tell you what, I was getting lit up last night when I was reading this. I want you to listen to these words and listen. Hey, if you're saved today, you ought to be excited. Uh, Y'all sound like I know it's early. I know it's sun shining and and all the wind's blowing a little bit. And I know uh, it's probably been a long week. Did, if y'all are saved today, you've got something to be excited about. I mean that. You've got, you and I have something. And it's, it's easy to get depressed, isn't it? It's easy to get discouraged. He wants us to look for him even more so as the day approaches. And I got news for you. It's approaching. The signs of the times are talking even more now than they ever have. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death, listen to what it says, Where is your victory? I'm going to read that one more time, just so we, we, we get it a little bit. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, the, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? And O hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us, what church? The victory. Now listen, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do you hear what he acknowledges about 
our life here knowing that we have a victory in, in Christ Jesus, that we are to be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, immovable as we press on toward the goal. And, and you and I, we're going to come to a new realization for the rest of this year, and hopefully, I prayerfully, for the rest of our ministry here on this earth, that pressing on toward the goal is not just showing up to church. Pressing on toward the mark is far beyond that. That there is a lost and dying world out there that needs Jesus Christ. And that you and I have been given a commission. But you and I are victorious. He says, don't be saddened, my children, that the world seems to be going down and further away. He said, I've overcome the world. And the one that's overcome the world lives in us. We have nothing to fear. He says, I have taken the victory over hell. I have pulled the sting from death. And that you and I, the greatest thing that could ever happen to us is that we be promoted on to glory. Do you know that not only is there a victory that's granted to us, I believe there's a victory that's gained by us. We have a responsibility. There is a victory that is gained by us. We're going to get to it very quickly, and we're going to, get, we're going to see that He has responsibility for us. He has a responsibility for us. He expects things out of us. Did you know that? You know that God expects you and I to bring a return on the investment that he's made in our life. I, I really, I, I think about those things a lot of times in my, in, in, in church life even, return on investment. Hey, we, we would say, well, we invested X amount of dollars in this particular mission project and it gained this many souls. You say, well, church is not a business. I, I, this is the business of souls. If there's no other business that we have, it is the business of souls. That victory is gained by us. L listen to what Paul says in our text. He says, verse 28, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Then he says, verse 29, To this end I also labor, striving according to His working, which works in me mightily. This victory that is gained by us is gained by striving. How many of you see your life as striving for the glory of God? Striving for the kingdom purposes? That, that, that it's cost you something. That, that the Christian walk has cost you or cost me something. It's easy to become comfortable in the Christian life. When we get the realization that we, you know, we were saved and, and we're satisfied with that, and it's like, okay. And then we begin, I believe, to get complacent if we're not careful. But if you'll stay in the Word of God, the Word of God will keep you, keep you and keep me pushing forward to that particular call, that upward call. It's gained by striving. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want you to listen to that. How many of y'all like being rewarded? Got any in here? So there's about four people in here that you enjoy being rewarded. I know that's a lie. I know that's not true. I'm not saying you told a lie. I'm just saying you didn't tell the whole truth. I don't know about you. I watched uh, A Few Good Men last night on TV. Did anybody else catch that? No, nobody else. I had to watch the whole movie just to hear one thing. You can't handle the truth. That's Jack Nicholson. I mean, it's just had to watch the whole movie just to get that one. Christy's over there with her earbuds in watching this little Hallmark movie, some kind of you know movie or whatever it was on her phone. And I'm sitting over there, and, and it got to that time in the movie, and she, looked up, she just turned over and grinned. I was like, yep, I watched the whole thing just to see that right there. What's the truth about your life? What's the truth about your life when you think about that? Do you realize that, that the Bible actually tells He would never put that in here if He did not want us to strive for that. 
He says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm going to say that one more time. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's amazing. God gave you salvation for free, but then he actually gives, and that ought to be enough, but then he's going to give us treasures, I guess you'd say. And I'm not talking about treasures, just like gold within a treasure chest. I'm talking about He is going to give us precious things one day. I don't know what those things are. The people that nail all those things down understand about the crowns, the five crowns. I don't have time to go in all that. We, there will be uh, different crowns for different ones. Some will get so, uh, all of them. Some will get some of them. Some will get one of them. I mean, it's, we can go through all that. But there are treasures beyond that too. Uh, listen to 2 Timothy 2.5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And, and, and that whole thing is talking about striving toward an end. Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That you and I are to press forward. What if the testimony of Chestnut Ridge, what if the testimony of this church in this community and in this world was that we were known for people that were striving for the upward call of Christ Jesus. I would rather pastor 50 people on fire for God than I would pastor 3,000 people that just needed babysitting. I would rather be the pastor that's pushing us toward the upward call. We'll all stand accountable to Him one day. And this victory that I'm talking about is the victory we want to stand before. Let me just throw this in there. It's not about getting something handed to you, the actual thing. It's about who's handing it to you. I want you to think about that for just a moment. It, it wouldn't make no difference if it was a tarnished teacup versus a polished trophy if he gave it to you. You ever had somebody precious in your life give you something? That in men's eyes, they'd be going, eh. But it meant the world to you because of who gave it to you. The nail-scarred hands of the one who came and died for you, handing you a well done, thy good and faithful service. It's gained by striving. It's gained through surrender. <clears throat> Listen to Paul, verse 29, once again. To this end, he says, I labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul didn't say that I was striving according to the strength within me. He didn't say I was striving according to my own abilities. He didn't say I was striving through the intellect that I have within myself. He said, I've been striving according to the working of God, which works in me mightily. You know how you get the works of God working inside of you? You die and Christ lives. We've talked about this all year long so far this year. That Christ must, must rule and reign in our hearts. And how does he do that? We must die to ourselves that he might live. I can think of a time in my life when I died to myself a lot more than I do today. But I need to get myself back in line. And I need to strive by dying, by surrendering. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. That God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He will exalt you when you and I humble ourselves. And Tim, uh, on his testimony a moment, moment ago, it is that very thing. Lord, I am not in control of my life. You are in control of my life. I must let go. I must decrease that you might increase. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, uh, again, Therefore, my bro beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. That ought to be a clue within itself. Your labor is not in vain. You are not laboring for your salvation. Your salvation is secure. So what are you laboring for? What are you laboring for? This victory that is gained by us is gained for Christ. Now I want to take you and turn your attention quickly over to Luke 19. I want to go to Luke 19 
And I want to read to you several verses of Scripture here before we close. And I want you to listen to these things. How many of y'all looking forward to going to heaven? Got more hands on that one. Uh, so <clears throat> if you're not saved today, my prayer is that you won't leave out of here lost. The last thing in the world, and I just want you to hear this, is this is from my heart. The last thing in the world I want to have to do is stand here and do your funeral not knowing. To stand and try to comfort a family by coming up with some kind of words where I have tried to pull any kind of thought that might be good about you, it would be so much more comforting and glorifying to God to be able to simply say, you know what? Not only upon the testimony of the profession of faith that they had in Christ Jesus, but also each and every one of you. And you've sat in funerals before, right? You, anybody in here not been to a funeral? Probably have maybe a couple kids, maybe, but most folks have been to a funeral. It, it tends to happen, you know that? And everybody, that, when you're sitting there, you know the truth. Some of y'all have sat there and you've listened to preachers and you go, um, that's not who I know. But what if everybody sitting in the room goes, you know what? Preacher don't even write that, really have to say nothing. That Christ was magnified in his life or magnified in her life. That one of the dearest friends in ministry I've ever had, Jerry Millwood, averaged attendance in his church between 120 and 150 people. Todd and I went to his visitation at the funeral home over in Bessemer City. The doors were supposed to open at 6. People were in line by 4. They started letting people through, I think, about 4.30. Todd and I got to the family. We were the last ones in line after 11 o'clock that night. <clears throat> they printed handouts until they ran out of paper, I believe. They give up counting at a couple thousand. Listen to these words. <clears throat> Verse 12, chapter 19. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman, just kind of let you in on it, this is Christ. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants and that word servant when translated out it's literally a slave so he called ten of his slaves servants delivered to them ten minas and said to them do business till i come until i return but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying we will not have this man reign over us sounds a lot like the jews does it not when they crucified christ Verse 15, and so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And then came the first saying, Master, your minas, mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little and uh, yeah in a very little have wait a minute have authority over 10 cities and the second came saying master your mina has earned five minas likewise he said to him you also be over five cities and another came saying master here is your mina which i have kept put away in a handkerchief now let me just ask you a quick question i believe we are all at least reasonably intelligent within the room, right? I'm talking about me. <clears throat> he gave them each a mina. Would you agree? And he asked them to go and do business with it. Did he not? One comes back and says, Master, 
The minor that you give me has now increased to ten. Well done, good servant. I'll put you over ten cities. <clears throat> the second comes to him. Master, the minor that you've given me has increased to five. Well done, you'll be over five cities. And the third one comes to him. He says, here's your mano back. I hid it away and did nothing with it. And listen to why he says he did nothing with it. For I feared you because you are, and it means a severe man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He didn't really even know the master. If he had known the master, I think he would have been more obedient. But here you have someone that really doesn't even know the heart of the master. And he said to him, the master says to him, out of your own mouth. I want you to listen to these things really well, church. Think about this now. We're, we love talking about heaven, don't we? Do you know what's going to happen when we leave this earth? Do you know what's going to happen before all of the eternal bliss, everything is settled out and we're all... There's going to be a judgment day. There's going to be a day when the Bible says that every man will give an account to all of the deeds that are done in the body. I believe saved and not saved. I believe that you and I will stand before God one day. And we will give an account. Oh, you're going to heaven. Yes. The guy with five, he's going. The guy with ten. It's not like the guy with ten is going and the guy with five is not going. I'm kind of questionable about this other one. You see, Jesus even said in Scripture, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, those are his words, not mine. Listen to what, what it says here. And he said to him, out of your mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. Can you see the contrast? One day, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, says to the one, well done, be over these things. Good job, be over these things, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that it, and my coming I might have collected it with interest? The least you could have done was just put it in the bank, let it draw interest. You wouldn't even had to work then. But no, you hid it away. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten. Now I'm just telling you, this is Jesus Christ speaking here. We don't like to talk about a lot of this stuff, but I mean, I, to the victors go the spoils. Can I get a witness? And I'm not saying that I'm worthy of anything, but I'm just telling you, if he gives me permission and he gives you permission, I think we ought to at least do what he's asked us to do. You and I have a great treasure, do we not? We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been given the greatest treasure that could ever be brought to man. If you and I are saved, we don't suffer eternal punishment. And to take that great investment that has been given to us and not invest it as, if, as we've been told to do. He said, go ye therefore into all the world preaching the gospel, discipling people, baptizing people, and do it until I come back. Here's a good question for you. When's the last time you told somebody the gospel story of Jesus Christ and his love for them? Just asking. You have the gospel. If you had a loved one, and we'll finish reading those verses just just one second. If you had a loved one was dying of cancer, Some of you have had loved ones that have died of cancer. If you could have given them appeal, 
To get that pill, you'd have had to sold everything you had. But you guaranteed if you got that pill, you give it to them and cancer is gone. Would you have done that? Come on, church. Would you have done that? If you could have purchased medicine to cure your loved one of cancer, would you have sold everything that you have? I've just been asked a very interesting question, a question I've never been asked before. It's kind of comical because, in a way because one of my cousins on my dad's side of the family called me and asked me about his oldest daughter interning. She's going to be interning at Shelby Hospital for some stuff. She's going through school, and she has to go around all around the, wherever they tell her to go, and just so happens she's landing here. She's been to um, Louisiana or somewhere down there. Had to do it. She's going to be doing some for about a month this summer, and he was wanting to know if she could stay with us and all. And uh, so, and it's cool because she loves Jesus, loves kids. And I'm like, yeah, I'll put her to work. He said, well, she needs some volunteer hours outside of the hospital. I said, oh gosh, we'll get, we got that covered. But when he called me, the first thing he said to me was, would you give a cousin a kidney? And I'm like, uh, uh, um, um, Ah, ah, he said, calm down. He said, I don't need a kidney. He said, I was just calling for something else. <laughs> my, my mom calls me a little over a week ago. My cousin on her side needs a kidney. I'm one of four in the family that has the right blood type. Has both their kidneys. That's tough. Whew. Yeah, that's tough. They're going to go through the older ones and check them out first because they've lived a longer life. And <clears throat> if you had a loved one, though, that was dying of a disease and you could sell everything you have and get that for them, I know what you would do. You'd do the same thing that I would do. Do you realize it is appointed unto man wants to die? It's not if we're going to die. We are going to die. You hear what I said? It's not if we die. We are going to die. When we're going to die, we have no idea when the cancer is going to get us. We have no, when I say cancer, we have no idea when the truck's going to come across the lane and head on collision. We have no idea when that day's going to come. But we have a cure. We have a cure that's been given to us, and we have now been cured. If you're saved today, you are cured. I want to say that one more time. If you're saved today, you're cured. Did you know that? You cannot get the disease of death again. Christ will not be crucified again. He is for once and for all. Died for the sins of the world. Risen. Separated the veil. Opened up the way. Has gone and taken the atonement into the very into the very holy of holies in heaven. And he has atoned for us. And now if you're saved, you're pinned down. It won't be erased. Forever and forever and forever you are taken care of. Have you ever given somebody else what somebody gave you? Because if you have not, I'm not decreeing any judgment upon you, but I'm just telling you, he gave us a great responsibility. Verse 24, and he said to those who stood by, take the minor from him and give it to him who has 10 minors. But they said to him, master, he's got 10. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. But bring here those enemies 
of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Pretty crazy, isn't it? That's how serious what we've been given as a responsibility is. Here's what my makes my heart cheerful is that the same Holy Spirit of God that lives in me lives in you. And my prayer is that the Spirit of the living God that lives in you and lives in me would stir up within us the desire to not sit on the blessed assurance that we have, but to get out and get up and get going. And that the people around us, we would pray that God would just put somebody in our path so that we could at least share with them what God has done for us by saving us. I know it's awkward. It's awkward for anybody. But God wants us, I believe God wants us to gain a reward in Him. To the victors go the spoils. A victory that's granted to me and granted to you that we could never buy, we couldn't borrow and we couldn't steal, is granted by grace through faith for all of eternity. And then there is a victory that is gained by us. It is gained by striving for the upward call of Christ Jesus, which is to surrender in Him for Him. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.